Dr. Kerry Krieger is joining me on the show today to discuss perimenopause and menopause transitioning for women through the lens of Chinese medicine. Welcome to the Lotox Life Podcast. I'm Alex Stewart, your host and founder of the Lotox Movement. It is wonderful to have you here for show 370. And I am really excited about this conversation. What happens when two 48-year-old women meet to discuss Chinese medicine, something I adore as a patient uh, and something Dr. Kerry Krieger has been practicing so expertly for over two decades now, uh, and we look at it through how it can support us, how things like acupuncture, herbs can support us through uh, in toward middle age, perimenopause, and menopause, and on. And it's a really brilliant, authentic, vulnerable conversation, which isn't just about answers, but also about exploration. What is the invitation in all of this change? What is uh, the uh, sort of demand that we start to prune because simply there is no bandwidth for anything and I mean anything that uh, doesn't feel entirely necessary uh, for us to be bringing our attention to or being responsible for. It's a fascinating phase to be going through. And I think for younger women uh, and men listening to this, I think it'll help you get a deeper understanding of this change for women because I think we all need to discuss it a lot more and you'll hear in the show a lot of exploration of that. So I can't wait to hook into this conversation. I actually met Kerry uh, half naked on an acupuncture table at a retreat <laughs> at Gwingana because my family had given me that for my 40th birthday and uh, she gave me the most wonderful acupuncture treatment and we've stayed connected on socials ever since and it's been a joy to watch her move into the space of supporting uh, younger or less experienced practitioners with perimenopause as a topic uh, to support their patients because it is a really big time of change on so many levels. Uh, Lara Bryden was on the show last year discussing the impact from the nervous system uh, perspective. You know, our nervous systems are searching for the same hormone making to feel calm. And then when that's not happening anymore, it's sending out all the hypervigilant signals, which is what a lot of the symptoms stem from, uh, saying it's not okay. Everything is not okay. Uh, but there is also an invitation in that reality 
to decide what is okay. So it's a very empowering chat today and I do hope you love it. I want to remind you that you have uh, 10% off and we have locked that in for the entire rest of 2024 with Oz Climate. So that is for the Aussies. Uh, but I have this mission to get a dehumidifier into every home because of how game-changing it is to move toward a preventative strategy and to have especially like one really high powered dehumidifier, like a 35 or a 50 litre that, you know, if you're not needing it, if you live in a reasonably dry climate all year round, it's not too rainy, then it can live in the garage. But that moment when you do get the unexpected water event or the leak or, uh, you know, a a pipe bursts in the kitchen or just things that happen. Uh, a, a toddler overruns, like, I, mean, I don't know, splashes the bath and the whole bathroom gets wet. It can just be such a powerful thing to not then have a big systemic issue develop to have something quite high powered at hand. I really genuinely am such a huge fan. So 10% off code Lotox Life for the Winix air purifiers and the dehumidifiers. And they're actually bringing energy saving heaters into the range later this year. So stay tuned on that front. Uh, And Lotox Method, my business coaching program for people who want to work in the Lotox space and explore what that might look like. Maybe you've got a burgeoning idea and you think, would it work? Could it work? How could I make it work? Uh, Maybe you have an existing business in interiors or graphic design, or, you know, we've had all sorts of people through the program over the years. uh, And you're thinking, how do I pivot it into the Lotox space? Because that is where my values are aligned. All those people are um, alumni of the program and have gone on to do fantastic things in the low-tox space, Uh, and I very much call on you to check it out. I've got the details in the show notes, or you can head to lowtoxlife.com, hit the Courses tab, and in the drop-down, you'll see Low-Tox Method there, and it'll take you to the registration page to check it out as well. There's two options, four-month or eight-month, depending on how much support you want. Uh, and uh, whether you want to hang out with me for that long. Uh, But I have a background in executive coaching and business consultancy uh, before the Lotox life was even an embryo of an idea, and I adore helping people develop their skills in business um, and business for good, right? We need more people with bullshy confidence in the Lotox space starting businesses or contributing to larger Lotox businesses than we do people starting another ultra processed food brand. So I am here to support you if that is something that sounds interesting and we have students from all over the world. So please don't worry. Uh, I'm thinking of Lena from Germany. I'm thinking of Andrea from Vermont. I'm thinking of uh, Carrie from New York. Um, Gosh, we've had some some brilliant overseas students over the years as well, uh, as well as our gorgeous Aussies. Cannot wait to hook in. Uh, Today, if you're listening live this week, uh, the platform opens up for the students who are registering and continuing to this week. And then live classes kick off on the 4th of March. And now on to perimenopause and Chinese medicine. Enjoy. Hello, Kerry. How are you? Hello, Alex. I am very well and very excited to be having this conversation with you. I'm excited too in wanting to talk about 
not us personally being 48 and in the very thick of the perimenopause playland. Neck deep in it. (laughs) Neck deep. Um, But actually about this subject, which I'm sure we will uh, tangent into personal Mm -hmm, experience, mm -hmm. but the subject through the lens of, you know, I speak to my acupuncturist, Kieran, often uh, about this phase. And interestingly, he's very hard to get into these days, but I did this month where I saw him every single week. And in that month, I didn't have a single hot flash. I had the most beautiful, calm, cruisy, uh, chilled month that I had had in a really long time. And I think that speaks volumes. Um, So we're going to, yeah, right. We're going to harness a bit of TCM power through this uh, subject and everything that you've helped clients with over the years uh, through doing treatments, but also speaking to them and putting together plans for this stage of life, because it's not just about the treatment you get and the herbs you take. It's about Mm -hmm. so much more. There's a big invitation, isn't there? It's enormous. Yes. Mm. And I think it's easy to treat it much like something that you've caught um, I can it's recall in my younger. So well like, put. Maybe it's this problem we need to a thing, sort out. I, I think in my very early 40s when I still felt like it wasn't happening to me, I was like, I wonder when perimenopause is going to happen, like it was going to jump out from behind a shrub somewhere and like <laughs> land on me. No, <laughs> that is not how it works. No, and I, I do laugh with different practitioners I've had on the show and friends about that first moment where you Google, Mm. once you start to notice a few symptoms, you Google, so how long is this going to last for exactly? And it's like from (laughs) I think it's uh, four to 11 years is what the standard internet uh, (laughs) reply is and you're like, okay. They seriously ran out of budget on female biology design when it came to this age group. They're like, okay, good luck. Look, it's yeah. going to get a bit crazy, um, but um, we've run out of money and time, so yeah. we're out of here. Yeah, it's like you get to the like last four pages of the textbook and it was like, menopause, it happens. Good luck, the end. <laughs> and you're like, hmm, okay, so I, I do believe there's some research required here. Let's see. Yeah. So I want to start by asking you, you believe that this generation now going through it are going to be some of the wisest Mm. and wildest elders of tomorrow. Do you feel like, why is that? What are you seeing? Look, partly that's a belief, partly that's a hope, (laughs) a deep, deep desire that um, us Gen Xers, um, you know, are, are the first really generation, their first cohort. We're certainly the um, largest cohort. So the stats quite a number of years ago were like by 2025, there'll be 12% of the population. So that number is probably growing. It's probably a little bit fuzzy on either end, depending on how they were measuring actually being in um, Perry. But Oh my goodness, so much has to change. And I think as a cohort, we have the education, we have the um, that kind of, I don't know, if we look at it in the reverse puberty that it is, we're sort of channeling a little bit of smells like teen spirit, you know, and bringing that um, 
outspoken energy um, into changing and um, claiming our own stories and changing the um, current story about, you know, falling off this cliff um, once you hit the age of 40 or 50, you know, and actually, you know, standing up and being counted and asking for the actual um, stats, the science, the research into our female physiology. I mean, the fact that it's not there is an absolute crime. Yeah. I remember saying to my son recently, do you realize, sweetheart, he's 14 and uh, mm. he's he's very pro-women. Uh, I've raised him that way. And I said, do you realize that most, almost all medical research mm. that was done on humans until after I finished school, so about the mid-90s, yes. was done yes. on men and not yes. only men, but young military men. <laughs> Just it's such a the tiniest, weird little cohort yeah. of humans. Yeah. Uh, and he's like, well, why? There's so many different types of people. I'm like, bingo, it was, sweetheart. Because it was bingo. easy. Because mm. it was easy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think it's also really refreshing that our generation is talking about it. I, I mean, I remember... Like recently I just sort of asked mum, I remembered she'd had a hysterectomy and she was just kind of told, yeah, it's probably just best to to get it all taken out at this point. And she had, I think she was only just 50 uh, and it wasn't because there was cancer or anything like glaringly uh, alarming. Um, And I just think, wow, okay, so we actually have come a really long way for our generation to start stepping through this. Yeah. Yeah. And to be, you know, sharing and talking about our experiences and feeling the shame and talking about it anyway and saying we are not handing this on to our, you know, daughters, nieces um, and so on. Like it has to stop with us really. We need to open those doors and, you know, create that dialogue. Mm, Mm. Absolutely. and it's usually, you kind of alluded to it when mm-hmm. you, you started talking, perimenopause is usually synonymous with a, it's a bore, it's a chore, it's chaos, mm. it's all these symptoms we need to fix and treat, um, a real no thank you vibe. And I get that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm here. So I can put my <laughs> hand up and say some days I'm like, well, this can all just stuff off. Yep. But inside the crazy, mm. uh, you use the word golden opportunity. Yeah, uh, I and like I like this. that because I've been toying with the idea of where's the hidden invitation here. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So talk to me about that. So from a Chinese health perspective, um, there's so many, yeah, myths and um, storytelling pieces around it. But the three golden opportunities are an invitation to really, really care for ourselves and to create optimal health in our future. And so those three opportunities are our period, um, our postpartum and our perimenopausal experience. And it's a window of time, either each month or at the end of our um, pregnancy, if you have have children, Um, but certainly this peri season is an opportunity to really, really care for yourself in a new way, to hear what's going on in your 
body because the symptomology that comes up, some of it is to be expected and quite across the board. But most women's experiences, whilst, you know, let's just say eight out of 10 will say, yes, I've, I get hot, the way that they get hot, when they get hot, how it, long it lasts, how they feel with that, every woman's experience is um, different. And that's an invitation to her to hear what's not working, where she needs to take care of herself in a really, really practical sense, where she might need to look and take care of herself as far as, um, you know, mental and um, sensory experiences, whether there's things that you need to kind of deal with, dial down in your life, but it's an invitation for the kind of health that you want to claim in your older years, most importantly. So this um, season of up to maybe, you know, eight years, 10 years maybe, I read one thing earlier on today when I was having a look at a few different pieces and it said four years and I was like, really? Well, that'd be fun, wouldn't it, if it was only four years? But it's a window of opportunity. It's not going to last forever. You don't have to cancel your entire life. But from a Chinese health perspective, it's an opportunity to really double down, hear what needs to change within yourself, mind, body, spirit, and create the elderhood that you want to have to be fit and able and, you know, sharp of mind and, you know, strong in your body as you age. Mm. I love that. And I want to then ask you about modern times because uh, the invitation to dial down and really, you know, have some retrospective time to peel back all the things that you don't need to be doing. I get that. And I actually see estrogen leaving the building as a fantastic helper in that department <laughs> of really not is. giving a poop about certain things that you really don't have to give a poop about. Um, how you spend your time, etc. However, it's also coincides in our modern culture for so many of us with this convergence of peak career, teenage kids that are, you know it's a much more cerebral style of parenting that requires a lot more brain space, uh, aging parents for a lot of people, uh, big costs like pressures, you know the school fees versus the mortgage and the all the things. Um, trying to be all the things. And I I often wonder then, well, isn't it, thank gosh, it's a 10-year window of <laughs> creeping towards because it's a pruning almost and that takes time and a lot of things fall away over this next 10 years naturally. Quite literally. And from a Chinese health perspective, um, we actually look at it as the autumn season now, autumn, I guess, kind of conjures up some really kind of dark imagery. Um, but the positive of that, if we think of that really beautiful autumn season of the um, red leaves and you get to put the scarves on and you get to wear the beautiful boots, but it is pruning. You know, leaves are quite naturally and appropriately falling away. And that isn't easy. We can't sugarcoat that. We can't gaslight that. It's not meant to be a stroll in the park to continue the autumn tree falling metaphor. Um, and 
you're quite right. Our modern life with all of the very many things that are going on run counter to what often we actually really need. And so it it is, like you say, a slow process. We don't have to wake up at 42 or 45 or 46 and suddenly um, you know, cancel everything, mm. leave, leave a note <laughs> on the kitchen bench, see you in 10 years' time. But a lot of I've, people do. Well, anyone who's, it, it, mm. it's an interesting like time to chat with female friends, you know, if like I've never heard people talk about uh, divorce or leaving their partners until this age. And I think that's really interesting. And a lot of people actually make it through and think, thank God I didn't act on that. I know. He's a really awesome guy. He's uh, a really he's a really good human. And the kids, I actually do like them and I might keep them for <laughs> another 10, you know. Um, and that bandwidth physiologically biochemically isn't there you aren't imagining it and um we do need more care and tlc there has to be some give in circumstances and situations you know um there's just no way around it and i think this is where talking about it and this is where having those conversations and where you're able to talk to your friends and say, oh, my God, I almost got divorced yesterday, but I think we're okay today, you know, or, oh, my goodness, I almost, you know, shaved my head or died at pink or sent the kids to boarding school or quit my job, you know, in my lunch hour, you know. And those um, sort of friction moments give us an indication potentially to some change or some transition, or some different way of doing things. It doesn't have to be the big extreme chop off the whole branch. We're just talking about a couple of leaves falling here. We don't have to prune the whole tree back to the trunk. <laughs> yeah. And then, and yet, as you say that, I think there's a beauty in that metaphor mm. of pruning to the core and like really examining the core and mm. only keeping what's essential and yeah. what. Not what fills us up because actually life is service as well and that fills us up um, too. So it's not about literally being alone in a field <laughs> and going, thank God. Although, Although sometimes there are that's days. actually really quite there appealing. <laughs> um, but I absolutely hear on the bandwidth and I think that's uh, so essential for people to not feel alone in. Um, we adopted a dog last year. And I had no idea that my bandwidth was limited until we got him because I couldn't cope. Like literally having to think about a different type of food for an extra creature in the house was like, uh, no, thanks. This thing needs a babysitter during the day because I cannot uh, work and deal with him and his desire to pee, poo or chase a lizard <laughs> during my workspace. Uh, and, you know, like it was it was such a fascinating, why can't I cope with this? And you actually genuinely can't. You mm. aren't making it up. There isn't something wrong with you. And I think a lot of women will internalise that and think, well, there's something wrong with me to be, but to be able to have that chat with your partner, with your kids. I mean, I don't know how some 14-year-olds are going to be really compassionate, some less. You know, certainly a five-year-old isn't going to get that conversation. But to say, I actually 
physiologically do not have the bandwidth. I can do four things. What are the four things you need me most for? And everything out of that list has to be either completely pruned or handed over somewhere until further notice if you want this version of me that's really highly functioning and not killing anybody. Yeah. (laughs) Beautifully summed up there. (laughs) Lovely. Um, Now, you talk about the launch pad for the Perry experience actually dialing all the way back to our 20s. and. That kind of conjured up for me as I was prepping. I'm like, oh, my gosh, are there things like those tequila shots I did at the nightclub when I was singing uh, with the DJ? <laughs> was that bad? Have I set myself up for a fail? Um, what talked me through? Oh, look, and I think I tend, I err on the side of this big, big, big picture, right, which is helpful in some instances and not always helpful in others. But I think if as um, teens or even Prior to that, just in our houses as tiny children, we were exposed to just female experiences and certainly in school actually being educated on our actual, you know, physiology, what the bits are called, how they work, more than just the, you know, ovum and the sperm. Um, If we had that education early, 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 early on, then there would be an understanding as you know, 20-year-olds, that, yeah, we actually can get away with those, you know, shots at 3 a.m. up to a point. And it's going to then be a point of like, well, do I want to have children? Yes or no. And how is that experience then going to feed into my later in life experiences? It's not about putting the fear of, you know, God into a you know, 20-year-old that just wants to have fun and experience life and travel the world and look at, you know, job prospects and all the things that you're doing in that um, era. But it's an understanding, an inherent inbuilt understanding that I wish every young person got at that entry level to understand how their body works, how that's going to change how they feel about themselves and feel about their life and how that is going to transition as you age. They might not necessarily care or pay that much attention. I can't imagine my 25-year-old self giving two hoots about what it was going to feel like at 49, but just that it was going to be this other weird, hard, but awesome experience that I was going to get to have as opposed to, you know, waking up at 35 going, I don't know, I still, uh, you know, even with all of my study, have to go out and teach myself how my body works. Like this is not okay, you know. So that's what I wish for the, you know, yeah, those girls out in the club in their 20s to have in the back of their mind that there is this understanding and honouring of their physical and mental, emotional selves. Yeah, it's so true, isn't it? The education really does tend to stop at the pregnancy point if one has mm. kids. Mm. Uh, and even and then, you're not even necessarily taught how or when so much. or your yeah. cycle or mm. heaven forbid talking about cervical mucus. I mean, good luck mm. with that, in pri- you know. So, yeah. Yeah, so fascinating. It's like this whole extra set of um bits of the rule book (laughs) the chapters are missing yeah Uh, they are literally missing yeah oh brilliant that we're filling them in though so 
I want to talk about um, perimenopause and menopause as uh, medical problems mm. um, because we obviously can't argue with Mm-mm. what happens in the drop of estrogen and progesterone and, yeah. um, you know, everything from muscle mass loss, bone density uh, challenge in terms of maintaining it, yeah. uh, dryness, all kinds of dryness, uh, <laughs> brain fog, Um and uh, and and I want to ask you about how we balance that treating symptoms aspect of this. Um, let's call it the decade of change, and uh, and nourishing self. Like there has to be a bit of a balance. And how does TCM in our modern world see the use of HRT, for example? Um, I'm just seeing a lot of quite scare us to death and make me do the program and make me take all the things um, as like almost an only solution to claim your right to feeling healthy into your old age. And then I talked to my acupuncturist about it and he's like, it's actually okay and things are supposed to dwindle in a certain respect on the hormone front um but strength if you w- live functionally and you stay strong uh you don't really necessarily need to then reach for hormone replacement um to protect yourself as we're often told and i'm not discounting the people that are making oh, that choice who course. knows of course. you might talk to me in six months and i might say carrie I, it just got so intense for sure. I just, i'm sure. not judging but it is a conversation that i'm just observing and looking at all the different parts of the conversation and wondering as a TCM practitioner, what your um, what your wise words are oh my in goodness. that regard? And I'm so grateful um, that you brought this question up because this is a this is something that I talk about a lot, and I feel like I'm having a lot of conversations with friends, clients about is that on top of every other damn thing that's going on, then there's this shame piece. Not only like the internalized, long-standing shame of being a woman or all the weird and wonderful things that are happening in your body, but then the shame of you should either do HRT or you shouldn't do HRT in whichever team. And for the love of goodness, can we please just choose some kind of middle path for ourselves and have that honoured and respected by everybody else? Please and thank you. Um, From a TCM perspective, like you say, in theory, our bodies are well we've had our babies or we didn't have our babies. We've got a really easy, healthy, pain-free, symptom-free period. And then we hit 45, 47, 48, whatever. And our period starts to get longer and longer. There might've been a season of weird and wonderful estrogen symptoms in there where maybe you had slightly heavier periods a few emotional outbursts and then one day and you wake up 12 months later, you haven't had a period. Huzzah, you're out the other side and you're a wise woman. Um, (laughs) And in our modern world, that isn't likely to happen. We've all got a lot of pre-existing subclinical health issues, which will raise their beautiful little heads as we go in and our hormones are fluctuating. That bandwidth that we said isn't quite right. Um, and as an acupuncturist, I'm going to suggest you have acupuncture and suggest if you choose to take HRT, 
that is absolutely fine. And I will put you in touch with, if you haven't already got your own beautiful GP, put you in touch with ones that I have worked with personally. But even those GPs will say to you that HRT isn't a magic bullet. There is no such thing as a magic bullet anywhere, that it can take quite some time, up to 12 months, one study said. It could be much, much quicker than that. But you still need to get that dose right, get the way that you're going to Take the dose right. There's so many variations in there. Ah, and Even- a lack of education and a, um, a, you know, our typical culture of more mm-hmm. is more. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I had a girlfriend who ended up having to have a, um, not a hysterectomy, but the partial hysterectomy because of a massive fibroid situation that resulted from a free-for-all on the and that's really common. front. And that's actually yeah. really, really common and becoming more common because we do have this cultural belief that more is better. Mm. So even if you're choosing to take out HRT because you turn up and you have not slept in six weeks and you are constantly wet and you have got like, you know, your kids are still under the age of six. I'm going to say like, let's just pack you off. We're going to give you a beautiful treatment and let's pack you off and see if HRT might be for you. It doesn't have to be forever. It might get you over this hump. I don't know, right? But you're still going to be advised by any sensible GP to dial things down. If you can opt to take some time off work, if you're really unwell, they're going to say that. They're going to say, do you walk the dog in the afternoon? They're going, like if they're a good doctor slash acupuncturist slash nutritionist slash osteo, they're going to be suggesting all of these things. They're going to suggest a meditation class. They're going, you know, there's, there's no one magic bullet. And working with your whole system is actually the best way to take care of the 25 little symptoms along with the two or three giant ones. And I know that, you know, no one really, I, I kind of half apologise while I'm having this conversation. It's like if if there was one magic bullet, goodness me, I would be like, like handing them out like candy. I'd be taking them. I'd be sending one to you. We'd all be on this magical, magical thing. It is a transition and our culture isn't educated on how to navigate that. We aren't, yeah, we we don't tend to do processes very well in our culture. We don't have any kind of um, oh, sort of model for it, you know. it's Yeah, it's a little bit like grieving in a way too, you know. There's, there's a process there that you kind of got to just navigate and there's highs and lows and ebbs and flows to it. So Chinese medicine with that whole health view is going to look at each little aspect of you at the same time. And and from my personal experience um, and with my other colleagues that we're having these chats with, you know, nothing's bad or wrong. It's about what's right for you personally. And even on the, um, the British um, Menopause Society website and the Australian um, Menopause um, website, even they refer to um, complementary health practices as being, you know, a part of the overall care. So I was quite shocked to see that in writing, but it's it's looking at the whole person. 
hundred percent. And something that chronic illness uh, and moving through that and at the other end of it taught me was stop wishing you were like you were before. It's not going back. No. And it doesn't mean that you're not going to feel fantastic again. It just means you're not going to be that person again. Uh, you know, that skin of the snake has shared. There's something new to discover underneath. And I believe that is part of the invitation here. It really rather is. Rather than really trying to treat every symptom that you could possibly uh, quell so that you feel like you did before, it can just be a real disheartening battle yeah. um, that you spend far too much energy on. And I, I learned that in chronic illness mm. and I'm noticing like, God, I wish I felt, oh, no, 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 nope, you've learned that lesson. No. The, the work ahead is the work ahead, not the work here is not to look back and see how you can yeah. get back there. Yeah. And in a culture that does tend to still glorify youthfulness and all of those things, we can long for that that version of ourselves like we were saying before we um started you know like the person we were at 40 is this other mystical creature you know and I I'll often think oh my goodness you know I didn't realize that I, I wasn't going to feel like that again you know and it, it doesn't have to be a bad thing that you can embrace this new version of you yeah absolutely and in terms of judgment, because I think that's a huge piece of this as well, uh, judgment of self, thinking that everybody else is judging us. I've noticed uh, I have ADHD uh, anyway, <laughs> so there is a bit of tangential oh, yeah. crazy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's just the way my mind has always mm-hmm. been. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly kicked it up a notch in this phase of my life, I will say, but what I have found is I've created even better links and metaphors, even better tangential links and then bringing it back to a theme and noticing a pattern and adding richness to an idea. And I think a lot of women think, gosh, I'm losing my train of thought. It's like, why are you? Where are you going? Is that exciting? Is there something in the new train of thought that you went on as an ADHD? Or I can say there's some really mm. good things about losing your train of thought because yes. it can land you in places that are even better. Yeah, absolutely. And absolutely. and so judgment and thinking, gosh, I'm not, I'm not as logical and thinking about everything in the same way. Oh I, I get that that could probably be really scary if you've never been like that before. Yes. Um, and I also get a bit of a touchy subject for many that our industrial um, mm. revolution corporate workplaces don't really have a lot of leniency in <laughs> the tangential thinking department. No. <laughs> so what are you finding there oh. in terms of supporting people on the judgment piece and people just feeling like they're not their, their mental acuity has changed. I'm not going to say is yeah. worse because I think it genuinely is just different. It is different and, oh, look, there's a, there's a couple of pieces there. I mean, self-compassion is enormous, 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 enormous. To, to not pathologise yourself but to understand that there is a very, very real physiological, mental and emotional transition happening that is actually real. 
Like I think because we can't see it, because we don't have any social structures that kind of talk about it necessarily or honour it or it is still all quite new or we think maybe it's all in our head or we've imagined it or whatever the story is, it's difficult to trust that it is actually a real experience, that you aren't alone in that experience and to have compassion in that moment for whatever hardship you're kind of currently just wrangling. Um, talking about trains of thought, let me see if I can hold all of these. I'm like, I've got these little like visual pegs. I'm a very, very visual pe- person. So now I've got like these visual pegs. So concentrate, Kerry, you need to be really smart here. Um, I'm not judging you. No, it's a perfect example, right? And, yeah. and to understand, I think, the, you know, we're probably going to get there in a minute to talk about the piece around um, what cha- needs to change in the workplace. But that change first does happen with us to understand that it's happening, to not judge your experience, to name it, to share it if it's at all possible with your mates, with your work colleagues, to just simply pause. Like we understand and um, Dr. Lisa Moscone is sort of leading um, the um, research on this. She's got Mm. a brand new book. I haven't read it yet. I'm really looking forward to it. I've read it. I've read it. It's so good. Yeah, I've got a a press copy because she's going to be on the show soon. Yes, yes, yes. Amazing. Well, I look forward to to hearing hearing that. Um, There is a lot of actual change happening and this is the conversation I have with a lot of um, women that once they understand, like, oh, it's a real thing, like I'm not broken. So the reason why I called my... um, Substack, you're not going crazy is because women will prefer to internalize and think they're going nuts and actually literally believe that they're actually having some kind of mental episode other than understand, have self-compassion for the fact that they are going through a physiological transition that is altering their brain chemistry, altering their blood chemistry, ha- ha- you know, having them have all sorts of feelings, whether it's tiredness or anger or sadness or whatever it might be. Um, and that most everyone else is too busy or too tired to be bothered judging you, let's be clear, um, and that if we can have even just transitory chats in the office or in the workplace or wherever you're having those moments to know that you're not alone um, is a really, really great start. A hundred percent, and one of the big things that I've noticed in my pruning of certain (laughs) leaves Mm. is that old me used to say yes to doing things of service for people that I hated doing. But it was to be nice, it was to people please, it was to not actually to people please but to make a contribution. So, you know, at a school like everyone has to contribute. Well, I think everyone has to. I didn't get the clarity around you get to articulate how you would like to contribute. I would just wait for emails to go out and then people to say, we need someone to do this. I'd be like, I could do that. And I'm like, why did I say yes to that? (laughs) Whereas new Alex is like, there is no way I'm contributing in any way other than this way. And I would like to champion that in a really positive, generous way because it's something I can do with my eyes closed confidently, no matter whether my brain's falling apart that day or not. And and I can show up and feel excited and energized to contribute and be of service. That for me is one of my favorite parts of estrogen levels declining is starting to get so much more clarity 
so much more of a visceral feeling of when you say yes to something that you wanted to say no to, that you basically just stop saying yes to things <laughs> and start doing the work to articulate how you want to show up better. I think that's one of my yeah. favourite invitations of this phase. Yeah, and that clarity and boundaries you speak about is like they are those gems of this peri season. And from a Chinese health perspective, we look at the metal element. So if you mm. even think about the actual element of metal, it offers clarity, sharpness. You know, there's there's no messing around with that kind of energy. You know exactly what you can do, how you'd like to offer it. You've thought about it. You're clear on it. It's been, you know, offered and delivered in a really clear boundary fashion that can also obviously be warm and, you know. Mm, yeah, of course, because yeah. it's, it's coming from a generous place. Yeah. And I think uh, that's that's the bit to get. You don't have to become an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> start and think- saying nope nope not in my bandwidth <laughs> like I don't think we need to be abrasive no we can still be our beautiful kind selves we just need to reflect more and think yeah. how do I want to show up in that way yeah um because I want to show up but what do I want that to look mm. like and that can be for relationships yes oh, every sector of your life and I think mm-hmm. if you do find yourself that snarling animal in the corner <laughs> then it's not because you're an evil human or you're a horrible mother or partner or wife or sister. It's because you actually need to gift yourself or ask for more space for that time to reflect and get clear Mm. on what you need, Mm. which is the hard piece. It is the hard piece. I had a family meeting about that two days a month that I'm currently experiencing. Yeah. Okay, this is what those two days look like. This is what that needs to look like from a who's doing what. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll let you know when day one has arrived Mm -hmm. of that two-day window. Yes. And um, my husband and son have been amazing. Yeah. Well, and this is the thing. People aren't horrible. We, Mm. you know, generally speaking, if we give people an opportunity, we talk to them about what's happening most of the people in our life are more than happy to be kind yeah <laughs> that's it exactly they're the people that love us the most mm. so if we articulate it you know in a yeah. calm way away from the blow up day yeah then um they'll just steer clear on the blow up yeah day. they're not idiots you've told them what's happening <laughs> They know that's the day that they hide in the cupboard. It's perfectly fine. It's a great cupboard. They're really comfortable there. They've got a lot of space. It's, it's great. great. Yeah. Or I'll hide in the cupboard. I'm well, uneasy. I don't yeah. mind either. <laughs> um, and so I wanted to ask you about like pressure points as well mm. um, and if there are any like points that we can focus on in this time that we can just kind of apply pressure massage with a couple of deep breaths that are really helpful for big emotions Mm. or feeling scattered all of a sudden um some of those common things that come up the headaches that people start experiencing that they haven't had for since puberty yes um oh look the good old diaphragm breathing gets trotted out um but it's a thing because you know if we are breathing all the way up here, then we're in probably a more fight or flight space. We're less likely to um, have access to our clear thoughts. You know, a lot of women will say to me like their their biggest fear, even if they're experiencing painful periods or, um, you know, 
hot hot sweats or other things, the, the biggest fear is feeling vague or foggy or like they, you know, open their mouth and forget what they're going to say. So again, stopping and giving yourself that moment to access the full the full space of your brain in a really calm fashion is actually really important and helpful. Um, there's a, a point in the between the webbing of your um, thumb and your middle finger that's kind of a bit gristly and a bit painful. So that's really good for headaches, but it's also generally for the face and the head. So that can just a few slow, gentle breaths and a bit of a squeeze of that tender space in there on both sides is enough to kind of bring you back into your body. Um, if you're sort of sitting at your desk or doing something where you can't necessarily give yourself a nice belly rub, <laughs> um, stomach massage is really, really helpful. It's going to support your um, liver. It's going to support your gut function. It's going to support your um, large intestine, all of those sorts of things. So maybe even after your shower in the evening or when you're lying in bed and your head's Racing to kind of just gently bring the energy back down to your belly is a really, really nice way to self-soothe and calm the mind and bring yourself back to an um, easeful pace to sleep. Mm, I did um, that for myself at about 4 o'clock this morning when I woke yeah. up in a little hot, sweaty panic. Yeah. The doom sweats. That's oh, the, fun. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there is nothing sensible that is going to be thought about or like worked on at between 2 and 4. Yeah. No, there's not. not. At all. So I just massaged my belly. So I'm mm. glad I was on the right yes. track because no, that's what it just felt like I needed in... to do. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, that's the... um. Our, as our estrogen can go down, obviously, you know, it, it does a little bit of a zigzag on the way down, which is just mm. a fun time. But in those lower estrogen moments, our adrenals will give us, give us a shot to try and um, sort of wake our ovaries up. Wow. Yeah. And hey so guys. <laughs> like, hello. <laughs> hi. Hi. I'm just um uh you know, one eight hundred ovary. Like, can you no silence? Can I get it's some just... estrogen <laughs> aisle <laughs> eighteen? <laughs> um yeah, and so we will often, I mean, that's not the whole picture or reason but that kind of wake up panic of like I've left the iron and the oven and every other appliance on and maybe the house is burning down and no that's just me that's burning down it's fine um uh, another um calming point which is like three down in the midline of your wrist and the point that is often used for those seasick bands mm. is actually a um point on the pericardium channel which is also really good when you're feeling anxious and it's a, oh, a point that gave me an instant deep breath yeah so it's a, it's a mm. point that we say calms the shen and the shen is the spirit of the heart that when we're panicked or hot can flee so we want to bring that shen back to be able to rest safely and for us to feel safe and calm Mm, but that's a good shen. one it's shen so, am i in the right spot <laughs> yeah perfect yeah perfect. It's so Guys, you have to do this. I'm going to put a picture of myself up on social for the people listening. Everybody's going to have a bruise on, yes. on, on their pericardium point shortly. Um, if you've got those little, we'll often send clients home with those little take-home sticky accuracy yes. is there. So then you can just give them a little a little squeeze. Mm, brilliant. Yeah. Um, don't buy a packet of those on Amazon, cheaply, no. by the way. I no. made that mistake and they don't even stick. So... 
Yeah. Yeah, no. You'd probably be better off getting one of those old-fashioned seasick bands with the funny little bead that's on them. Yeah, good idea. I mean, if you, yeah, or just come and have some acupuncture, that's a good idea also. That's always a good idea. Yeah. In terms of screening for a good acupuncturist? You you can't go wrong as far as their actual qualifications. And from there, it is about trusting if they're a person that you think you would like to hang out with. And, you know, in this era of socials and blogs and things, most accus um, will have some kind of social presence. If they're super busy, they mightn't have a huge you know, a lot of posts and bits and bobs going on. But generally speaking, we can get a sense around the topics that they're really passionate about um, and you can get a feel for who they are. So even if they're not necessarily, I can I can think of a couple of beautiful um, accus in their very early 30s who I'd be very happy to go and see who've just got that knowledge and warmth, even though they're not necessarily in their late 40s. So you don't have to be yeah, It doesn't in, have to be someone no, who's been there. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that they've just got that knowledge base and that's, tenderness that I I personally you know um yeah my acupuncturist over the last couple of years you know just doesn't matter what random mood I'm in she (laughs) has just that capacity to meet me and be kind and pop the points in and sort the things out I couldn't agree more (laughs) and you know the kinds of people that I gravitate towards are the people who are very yin in there Mm. because often when you're going to see a health professional uh, or when you get to the yoga class, you know, you you can quite often be in a very yang state or there's all this stuff going on Mm. or I had to rush to get here and just that calm, like it's like the late night radio kind yeah. of romance track. Well, and that's, DJ. I mean, we we need to be around, we, we are pack animals and to be around other, you know, calm, you know, centred nervous systems. Yes, look to the flight attendants. Are yes. they panicking? Look to your acupuncturist. They've are got, they panicking? They know where the exits are. <laughs> They've got their tray of peanuts. We're ready to go. Yeah, so it's it's like meditation. I often talk about uh, some of my first coaching clients and people saying, oh, no, I don't meditate, I can't stand it. And I'm like, what can't you stand about it? Oh, their voice. I was like, what? whose voice? Oh, you know, the one on the app. I'm like, so you've tried one app. All right, we got to find a voice yeah. that you like tuning into. And I really think health professionals, anyone we put on our team, they have to be people we like tuning into. Absolutely. And there's nothing mm. wrong with that, you know. Mm. It it can be if you are, and this is the bonus of maybe seeing people who have their own network that they can then, you know, put you in touch with. It can be tricky and feel tiring when you're in a, you know, bad place or a you know, delicate place to continue showing up and telling your story and hoping that this person is your person. Mm. Um, but it's worth it when you get there and to get that care. 100%. And I wanted to ask you because you you put this down as something that you can talk about and it's very real because while I did talk about some people getting divorced and, you know, some people out there are single and dating and that could probably bring up a whole bunch of self-judgment if you're going through this phase as well and um, any 
any words you have around oh my dating in this phase of life? Because it's oh such, you know, half the time you don't even know who this <laughs> new version of you is, let alone no. projecting to no. someone else. No. Oh, my goodness. And this this could be a whole nother podcast on its own, mm-hmm. perhaps a different um, rating. But... Um, <laughs> But you can I, go there, Kerry. It's okay. It's fine. As long as I don't put it on social media and no. get shadow banned. Shadow banned. We're good. This is a safe space. But I do, I mean, talking about judgment, you know, I had this really crippling timeline in front of me, self self-created timeline mm. I love that the imaginary timeline oh my yeah. god and it I was hurtling towards it at great speed where I was going to fall off this cliff and be undateable unlikable unattractive unsexual un like every un you know mm. and that I I got to that self-imposed cutoff point and I was still single what no. age did you say well, this cliff was I mean, going to exist? You know, like it kept sort of limping six months in front of me. <laughs> I remember my cliff was 20, it was 30. Yeah. <laughs> Way no, back in the day. The the like, and I remember saying, making a pact with a friend saying, yes. we can just like be crazy cat lady flatmates oh and no God. one's going to want us. <laughs> just, I mean, it's ridiculous. It's so ridiculous. Mm. Um, and I mean, I think I was 46 when I met my, I was, and I joked, okay, like quick because all of this is going to like fall <laughs> off. You've you've probably got six good months left. So if you want to date, enjoy. Like, yeah, like yeah. this is this is it. Um, but yeah, and I was you know growing my silver out, and I was like, who is actually going to date a silver? Like who? Like it was beyond my comprehension that actually anybody could possibly. And you know, people are going, oh, don't be silly, Kerry, and they're trying to, you know say nice things to me it's not that I think poorly of myself but those belief systems culturally attached belief systems or things that we see just in there you know we're we're deep they were they were there that you don't see a silver-haired woman and think oh what a hottie I might date her you know um and so it's been a really delightful fun experiment to have all of that proved completely wrong yeah. yeah. I mean, look at that uh, Julia Roberts picture yes. and reflection recently. Yes. Her, her niece, just yes. having a very no makeup. We're at home playing cards, I think it and was, or beautiful. a puzzle. Such a gorgeous moment. And then the internet just was outraged that I she let herself go and what on earth? She's aged like 20 years over. Where was her full and... face of oh red carpet makeup? And you're like, no, no. That's how women, but also we don't see other women of that age, our age, mm. first thing in the morning, chatting at the kitchen table. Yeah. Movies, we, we, we don't see what that looks like. So then we see our own reflection. It's like good grief, you know, crumbs. Yeah. yeah. I've made a no filter commitment. Um, Same. In it because I just was starting to really feel that everything was so manicured and so um so intensely doctored um for what why it's not real and then the longer we all try to pretend to not be real the more the fall off the cliff is going to be when 
Or like those perfect LinkedIn photos and then you, you have the work meeting you're like. <laughs> Was that an AI-generated <laughs> version of you? Yeah, I never want someone to think that about me. And and I think um, we there are grey-haired hotties that are absolutely dateable. We just need to see more of them so we see the full gamut of the human experience. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, quite possibly how you see yourself or the stories you've been told or you the stories you've, I don't know, created somewhere, aren't, it's not actually how you're going to be seen. Mm. Yeah. Ugh. And and so what how have you come through that? What what have you noticed about oh, in a just really rejecting that? Clumsy, awkward, entertaining <laughs> kind of a way. <laughs> like humor humor is the last, the last um sexy crutch, which will continue to age with us, right, Alex? Yeah. So it doesn't matter what 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 happens, which which bit falls off, we'll still be funny. And this is this is what I'm clinging to. Um it's it's been it's actually been really, really fun. I mean, there's been a whole lot of hard things too, but um, the honesty, mm. the honesty in this age has been really beautiful and has actually, um, whilst that has felt very scary and very vulnerable, there's kind of nowhere else to go really at this point. Yeah. Mm. You know, I don't have the bandwidth. Mm. to keep up smoke and mirrors. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, while there are a lot of things about, say, Sex in the City and the new iteration with them all in their 50s that are highly manicured and highly, I mean, so fictional um, in a lot of regards, there are still, there are so many fantastic, real, rough issues just with your girlfriends, lay it all out on the table. Why do we need to hold anything back here? Why do we need to hold things back from our partners, even if it means we have a massive fight um, and, and while we work through it or work out what, you know, what comes out the other side of it? But like, also sharing what we're going through yes. with our partners and giving them the benefit of the doubt to actually understand and care. Or if mm. they can't understand, which is actually really quite understandable because I don't always understand what's happening. Yeah. At least to say, this is how I'm feeling. It's not going to make sense, which, you know, and, and I bring the humor in, like which weird body part do you want to know about today? You know, are we going to talk about the menopausal vaginal microbiome or are we going to talk about the importance of protein? Like you just... Tell me which bit you want to learn about today and I'll share and we'll just continue on with our beautiful life together, you know, and I don't know, like if if that's something that you're or, you know, is it hot or am I having a hot flush? Like I don't know how many times I are because we've had the hottest summer. I'm like, I just, it must, I'm sure you just sort of glazes over. I, like every half hour I'm like, is it hot? Is it hot? Like it's just entertaining. I am asking my family members yeah. that a lot. I'm like, is it hot or is it just me? Or I'll, you know, mm. head to my phone and I'll sort of mutter, oh, yeah, it's 32 degrees, it's hot. And, you know, like that's mm. just the sort of ongoing background soundtrack to our life and I don't know. He's still there. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Lovely. I love that. I've got a girlfriend who has a wife and she's talking about mm. both of them going yes, through was, perimenopause. Was, yes. And how 
<laughs> how complicated it is because they're both going through all yes. the things and completely differently. And I've been I find wondering about this. That a really interesting um, trajectory or, or variance of, of the experience um, in same-sex couples. Um, and then, like, the gay blokes have got it really good. They're <laughs> just going through any of it, not having to witness it <laughs> in their partner, just carry on. Um, carry on as, as you were. were. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, now speaking of boys, mm -hmm. um, men, mm -hmm. workplace, yep. differences in this age group. Um, I just want to touch on that as mm. we start to kind of round things mm. off because that can be really tricky in itself. Like yeah. what, what are you seeing there? Look, Advice? It's another of the big picture pieces. And I think again, conversations where it's accessible and appropriate with the people you work with to just normalize. I mean, if it's appropriate, it's not always going to be appropriate depending on your where you are in the sort of, you know, leadership scale of things. Yeah. Um, Seniority can yeah. be a really big challenge. Yeah. Um, mm. And I mean, new, there is a Senate inquiry at the minute happening in New South Wales where they're going into, you know, what that looks like in the workplace. And I mean, that study apparently will be done by the end of this year, but it's looking into, you know, is there going to be a need for women to be able to access services? What does that look like for productivity? What does that look like for like staff leaving? Because a lot of women are choosing to leave the workplace, go on leave, or take time in some fashion or another because they're not able to cope with their health symptomology. Um, and, oh, goodness, I, you know, the workplace isn't prepared for it. We've only just got our head around mat leave and paternal leave, you know. Um, and so I think, you know, from a workforce, workplace point of view, this is really where that cutting edge stuff is, is happening and we'll need to change very, very swiftly because, again, depending on the demographic of your um, office, 12% of your workforce is a lot of people. And if they're senior leaders in your team, you're going to lose an incredible wealth of knowledge, leadership leadership skills and so much more if um, women of the age of 40 or 50 are feeling like there's no other option but to go. So I think, I mean, accessing, choosing to access your own self-care, getting in touch with HR because they are the sort of coalface of these changes, I would imagine, and certainly hope mm. um, in the coming years. Yeah, absolutely. And I think also just back to that example of volunteering that I shared earlier, it could be a really, uh, again, it could be a real opportunity to prune job descriptions um, into true zones of genius. This is something that since I realised I was neurodivergent, I thought back to different corporate times, different chats that different bosses had had with me um, where, you know, I was really good at 80% of my job, like sensational, always overperforming, always overgiving because it was like an endless fountain because it was my zone of genius. Like I was just great at training, teaching and motivating. And instead of being given an assistant 
two days a week for the admin or, you know, three mornings or whatever, I was performance managed. And you just think, gosh, that is so toxic. Um, And, you know, in perimenopause and menopause, I'm thinking, gosh, imagine performance managing someone with 30 years of knowledge through their career span. Um, You know, I was 25 at the time, um, a young bright button, but uh, I'm thinking of people our age and how much is in that brain and how much you stand to lose by ticking them off with performance management instead of saying, look, I'm noticing there are parts of the job that you're just not loving at the moment. Can you talk to me about that? Can we talk about a a, a different mix? Is there someone else that really enjoys doing that type of work that we could do a bit of a reshuffle here? Uh, I just think we could get a lot more creative, uh, well, in corporate in in general. In general, Um, for sure. And, you know, even just simple things throughout the day, you know, you you need breaks. You need to switch your brain off. It doesn't have to be for the entire day, but just alternating tasks, making sure that you actually eat lunch. I mean, you know, hustle culture has told us that we have to skip the meals and not, you know, stop and make sure that we've had, you know, drinks. And it's like our brains aren't going, they're literally not going to function. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. And so from a TCM perspective and food, what Mm. are some of the most nourishing foods for this time? Um, Going back to the boring basics. Mm. It's always a really, really, you know. It's not sexy. It's it's actually just real food. sexy, real food, um, cooked food. Like from a Chinese health perspective, we tend to err like away from lots of raw cold food. So, you know, um, raw fruit and veg when it's super hot is fine. Obviously they're in season and we, we, we can kind of, deal with it fine but our digestive system isn't working at a hundred percent throughout this season as felt by some of that weight gain and and that whole piece so making sure that really simple basic food protein needs to absolutely go up slow cooked meats roast veggies leafy greens by the handful water Mm, it's yeah Rinse Meat and repeat. tree veg. Yeah. And <laughs> I know and, that's how I feel best. Yeah. yeah. And the thing is we can get away with a tiny bit. We absolutely can't get away with what we used to be able to. Our metabolism isn't slowing down as such, but it is processing foods in a in a quite different way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a good and way to put it. Yeah. yeah. It feels like things are slowing down, but it's just not processing things as effectively. And our liver especially isn't going to thank us for that extra glass of Chardonnay or that third coffee. Gosh, no. In fact, no. it'll get really angry at us. It'll get really upset. My heart gets really angry <laughs> yes. at me. It just goes dum, dum, dum. Yes. <laughs> like, sorry, I okay. won't do it again. Yeah. And then, yeah, it's it's become a birthdays and Christmas or mm. super special catch up with a girlfriend yes, yes, type yes. situation. I might have a glass. Yes. But other than that, frankly, I'm I'm not interested. Yeah. And, and I don't might... need to make some a, a big, no. for me personally, it's not a big um sober statement I'm grateful that I have a a healthy ability to modulate alcohol as and when I need I always have Uh, very very thankful because I know that's really hard for a lot of people especially in um, Anglo-Saxon drinking cultures it can it can become a vice so easily without people realizing 
Um, but it is definitely setting off a whole bunch of alarm bells that it didn't used to. No, and it saying, doesn't have to be forever. This ain't good for you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. well, that's ever. what Lara Bryden said. Yes. She said, don't worry, I'm not condoning alcohol, but I am also going to let you know that your yeah. system will not freak out about it the way it currently is once yeah. you're out the other and end. this is the thing. I think we have that doomsday thing of I'm never going to drink champagne again, I'm never going to enjoy coffee again, or I'm never going to do whatever it is. That's not the whole truth. This mm. is a transition. Yeah. Our nervous systems are settled down. Yes. And there are so many beautiful Chinese herbs. Um, and I wanted to ask you about this to finish because obviously, you know, circadian sinking is a very important priority to try and like look to the sun in the mornings and be outside, you know, at the bookends of the day at least um, if you can. Um, but herbal support can be magic and I wanted you to just throw us a few favourites um, that you see have really great results and then for any self-helping people to just maybe give us a bit of advice on quality um, screening because that can be a huge minefield as well. Yeah, absolutely. Look, there are some wonderful um so if you went to a traditional Chinese herbalist, they're going to mix up singular herbs and it's going to be this beautiful potion. It may well be dirt that you're given to drink, essentially. <laughs> and you can be guaranteed that the quality and the dose and it's actually right for you. They've taken a really, really long and extensive case history. They've you know, treated you. They've got a whole picture of what's happening in your life. And those herbs are made for you. There are other wonderful um, pre-made herbs that are you've got fun non-Chinese names, which is like menopause one formula or menopause two formula, depending on whether you're the hot menopause or the cold menopause. Um, and those herbal formulations are really great for a, a general picture of people and can deal with the um, hot formula, for example, is a beautiful one that I will hand out often for those classic hot flushes and dials it down really, really, really well. Um, the trick with any other food-based supplement is that it is like, I think they call it a food pseudical. So it's a wonderful thing to add into your diet. It works in the same way as herbs that you might put in your cooking or herbal teas that you might have. So it's it's got the benefit so for example sage um sage tea is a really beautiful cooling tea i will often drink that with um rose so that will have that effect of cooling you down and if you have it every single day it's going to have that uh, cumulative effect but it's not necessarily at a therapeutic dose so if you were then going to have for example ashwagandha which is often called withania or black cohosh is another really popular herb that a lot of people would have heard about you can buy those herbs at the supermarket or off the shelf at the health food store and they're going to operate in that food pseudical type of way they're not necessarily going to be at the therapeutic dose designed for you to help with that particular symptomology so they're a really lovely thing to add in they are um able to modulate your stress and to help with um, sleep issues and all these sorts of things. And some people will often say, oh, well, I've tried that herb and it didn't work. And it 
possibly it wasn't the right herb for you at the time or it wasn't necessarily at a dose that is specific for your health needs. So, um, But generally speaking, things like black cohosh are great with with ania or ashwagandha, both difficult words to say, and um, sage is another one that everyone sort of can access and pop in their tea. Brilliant. Oh, so good. And <laughs> no such thing as a short answer with this. <laughs> no, no such thing as a short answer. I've absolutely loved our chat, uh, Kerry. And I know so many people will just have gone, oh, yeah, I feel like that. Or, oh, yeah, I've been through that. Or, oh, my gosh, I'm not alone. Uh, I was definitely getting that sense throughout the whole thing. Where can we find you? Um, far too often on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, my website and my um, Substack, which is you're not going crazy because you're not going crazy. I love that. You are mm-hmm. not going crazy. Thank mm-hmm. you so much Pleasure, for Alex. sharing Thank all you. your goodness. I hope you loved today's show as much as I loved bringing it to you. I want to remind you that if you are someone who craves a low-tox community that is judgment-free, full of empowerment, has health professionals and building health professionals that can support you, as well as me in there answering questions multiple times a week, I want to invite you to join the Low Tox Club. For the price of less than a cup of coffee a month, you have an annual membership for $49 Australian, so it's about $30 US or Euro that allows you to have a member masterclass every single month with a health professional or global expert from the podcast where we have them to ourselves for an hour to ask questions and deep dive further. You have the beautiful supportive chat group. You have Q&As with me, me answering questions. We read books and talk about them and a whole bunch more. You can head to lowtoxlife.com, hit the explore tab and join the club is the very first option on that list. Of course, we have over 10 evergreen courses that you can jump into anytime, whether it's navigating everyday low-tox swaps with our Go Low-Tox signature course, whether you have kids and you're wanting to know how to best support them with our Low-Tox Kids course, whether you're planning a family and looking at a healthy low-tox preconception journey, reducing inflammation, especially the chronic kind with our Inflammation Ninja course, many, many other courses, you can again head to lowtoxlife.com, hit the courses tab and you'll see all of the options, which includes a business course, my low tox method program. Uh, A lot of people don't know, but uh, I was doing a lot before starting Low Tox Life in 2009. And I was a business consultant across hospitality, health, retail, and cosmetics. I have been in business consulting for a very long time. So I absolutely adore helping people move into the low-tox space or develop their low-tox businesses. So that's a way I can support you. And then, of course, there's our wonderful social media communities at Low-Tox Life on Instagram and, of course, the website with over 250 gluten-free recipes, blogs, downloadable PDFs to help you navigate wanting to get rid of synthetic fragrances in your school or office. I could go on. So head to lowtoxlife.com, see what takes your interest or fancy. And thank you so much for being a part of our podcast community. I love, love, love reading your reviews. I appreciate every follow and subscribe. And I want to just remind you to finish off that if there's anything you heard that you found interesting from a medical or scientific perspective, it is intended as education only. Please always chat to a health professional who knows you and your situation best. I'll See you next week.
ไป